politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, our liberty, and our property, because nothing short of that is at stake. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today for Thursday, October the 13th. And while it's Thursday the 13th, it certainly feels more like Friday the 13th every single day, because there are about 10 to 15 issues that each one alone is not just an existential threat, but has already destroyed our country. I'm here to tell you the country's over with. Okay, now you could hang up, stop listening. No, it's not that bad because there's comfort in understanding that you're not going to rebuild what we once had. Anyone who's selling that to you is lying to you. It's that simple. The country is destroyed. The country in these 50 states, the way it was, is never going to be brought back. If we don't change gears but hang on to that old vision, our lives are going to be at stake. We're no longer fighting for a country. We're literally fighting for our lives, our life, our liberty, our property, our ability to exist unmolested, unpersecuted, and even live. If you look at what they're going to do to us biomedically, transhumanist, food, fuel, We will not live if we don't create some sort of oasis somewhere within these 50 states to do something totally different. It's that simple. And today I want to change gears a little bit and focus on illegal immigration and crime and the mixture of the two. Just one issue to demonstrate that we are so done with. We have so many foreign criminals in this country destroying our country and culture along with Uh, the existing domestic criminals, that that alone has destroyed the country already. So we're going to give you a little bit of a border update. We're going to talk about one of the big myths today, that somehow illegal aliens commit less crime, just like Pfizer's products are safer than any other vaccine ever. Everything they say is the opposite. So for years, they're like, oh, illegal aliens don't commit crime. Like, dude, don't, don't tell me the pee on my leg is water. Okay, at least make your lie believable. But we're going to talk about... Just like they lie about all their medical studies, vaccine studies, they did this with illegal immigration. We'll have a guest coming up later to talk about this. Um, First, our sponsor today, Birch Gold. Obviously, you heard the news that inflation is another record, particularly for rent, for shelter, food, obviously fuel. It's all done by design, and it's not getting better. That's why, historically, gold has always been a good hedge against it. Uh, There's a lot of companies to invest in or to use to invest in gold, but I prefer Birch Gold because they have a special info kit on protecting your savings through uh, an IRA or 401k. So rather than putting your retirement into the cartel stock market casino, put it into precious metals of something of worth. Don't allow the left to devalue your savings. Text Daniel to 989898 and claim your free no-obligation info kit from Birch Gold. Again, you could... Own your own physical gold and silver through Birch. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers. So check them out now by texting Daniel to 989898 and secure your future with gold. Okay, so there's actually a lot going on at the border. Just want to give you guys a little bit of an update. 
So obviously a lot of you heard the story that a FOIA email reveals that DHS Secretary Mayorkas was alerted by DHS's top public affairs official that the whole whipping incident that supposedly the border agents uh, on horse patrol at Eagle Pass whipped a bunch of illegals uh, was not true. So we now know that he knew it exactly at the time. But two and a half hours later at a White House press conference, he called the images horrific and agreed to it. So the point is, you have major, major stories that they know from day one is a lie. And they change policies based on them. And this was designed, by the way, to change what policy? It was to get rid of the horse patrol, because that was one of the most effective means of securing the borders, actually, with horses. So that was done by design. And that's typically what they do. They generate a story that's false, because they always have an end goal. They always have an agenda that is fueling that story. Instead of the story fueling the agenda, they have an agenda and they create a fake story. Some of the trends going on at the border. Here's what I'm hearing from uh, the few agents I know left. Sri Lankans are now showing up at Eagle Pass. Now, what's unique about Sri Lanka? Nothing really, but... You know how the UN always warns you're going to have climate refugees? Well, they're not lying. It's not because the climate's changing. It's their climate. They create the chaos, like in Sri Lanka. It's not the climate. It's that they literally created an oasis for ESG. That was like their ESG stomping ground. That was their you know, pilot, their test uh, uh, case of uh, pilot case of Agenda 2030, and people are starving there. So now people from Sri Lanka are showing up at our border. So part of the strategy you're going to start seeing is they create destabilization, and it's a, two, it's a two for one. It's a twofer. They go and, and destroy an area. The Ukraine story is certainly one of them. They sow chaos, and then they know, guess where they're going to show up? The U.S. So further destabilize our own border, our own country, whatever is left of it. So that's what I found fascinating, that Sri Lankans are beginning to show up at the border. Another interesting thing is that the migration is shifting west, more towards El Paso and Arizona than the Rio Grande Valley in the eastern part of Texas. A lot of that has to do with the cartels, uh, the CJNG cartel, which is kind of like right under... El Paso, they're taking a lot of territory. They're the dominant one. Um, so that is going on there. And the criminals are through the roof. The amount of criminals they're seeing through the border is crazy. They get let go. And then they're not deporting anyone anymore on the interior. Um, what I heard is that illegals are getting lawyers to see ICE. What does that mean? Typically, you don't want to see ICE because you're going to get deported. They actually want to get put in front of an agent, an ICE agent. ICE has now been marshaled into benefits rather than enforcement. So they don't get their benefits from USCIS until they see an ICE agent. That's how it works. So they want their social security number. And it's gotten so absurd that the Haitians... They want to be brought to the front of the line. So a bunch of Haitians hired attorneys to sue that they get to be first in line to see an ICE agent so they can get a social security number. And I'm just telling, all, telling you all of this, and today's show is designed for one simple purpose. Our government has not a shred 
of legitimacy. Not a shred of legitimacy. And that's why I'm sick of our guys operating. Well, the fourth clause of the eighth section of the Constitution says this, so we're bound by it, but they're not. They are literally not just not enforcing the law, they're systematically marshalling the enforcement agencies into human smuggling, bringing in the worst criminals you could imagine. The worst criminals you could imagine. So there's actually a video out that was sent to a bunch of border agents that called the agency a humanitarian agency. Until now, they only considered USCIS to be that. And now they're considering ICE and Border Patrol like that. Which, again, is why I'm for abolishing all law enforcement at this point. Because they're only going to be used against us. Ordered liberty is over with. Unfortunately, that's, that's not going to happen. Do you want pure anarchy or do, you, or do you want anarcho-tyranny, which is actually strategic tyranny, to both have the tyranny from the government directly attacking us and then have illegal aliens, MS-13, domestic criminals, BLM, be their enforcement mechanism to destabilize the streets, attack us, and then if we try to defend ourselves, well, you're racist, you can't defend yourself against BLM, and then the government incarcerates you that way. So that is what's going on with that. Just wanted you guys to know there is not a shred of legitimacy to our government. Core job of a government is to protect against anarchy, crime. The worst crime is foreign crime. That 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 certainly, especially the federal government, that at, at its core is why we have a federal government to protect us from bad people. But folks, what happens if you have millions of violent criminals come into your country? How is that not at least as bad as an invading force? So just like if a federal government, rather than repelling an invasion, facilitated it, it would lose all of its legitimacy and you would have every right to work against it, to neutralize it. This is no different. Practically how we do that, that's the big vexing thing. And it's got to be some mixture of doctrine of least magistrate and, and first getting legitimate elected officials and law enforcement locally and state-wise to then interpose between you and the feds. But intellectually, I want you to understand, we have to move beyond this thing. Oh, well, Daniel, well, how do we do this? Could states uh, deport? I thought only the feds could do that. Well, if the feds are invading you, then, then you can't count on them to do the job because they, they want to do this. So states, and anything short of state deportation is a waste of time. And and I want to go through that degree of criminality that we're seeing here, which is just insane. And just know Republicans will do nothing about this as much as they'll talk. The entire purpose of the GOP House control, just so they'll have bigger office space so they could spread monkeypox in bigger offices. That's, that's, That's essentially what they'll do. So, uh, oh, by the way, first off, our other sponsor today, those of you who got the shot, or even if you didn't, who knows if this thing doesn't self-spread, people are dying suddenly young, left and right. A lot of them are leaving over families with not enough life insurance coverage. You do not get enough from your workplace in most instances. In fact, most, most people need up to 10 times more to properly provide for their families, but if you go to policygenius.com slash Daniel, just answer a couple questions, 
In a few minutes, they will spit back at you life insurance quotes, apples to apples, personalized quotes for the coverage that you want, and you'll get the best price. I, I would almost guarantee you, if you would go and do that, you will find you are you will get more for less than what you're paying now. You could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. Also, they have licensed experts that will help you understand your options and apply the policy. So it's not just some random website. You could actually talk talk to an expert, walk you through it. Policy Genius team works for you, not the insurance companies. Uh, Policy Genius doesn't add extra fees. They don't sell your info to third parties. Since 2014, they've helped over 30 million people shop for insurance, and they've placed $120 billion in coverage. So join them today. Head over to policygenius.com, one word, policygenius.com, slash Daniel to get your free life insurance quotes before it's too late and the rates go up. So when we're talking about the scope of illegal immigration, the scope of illegal immigration crime, We all know that it takes a certain type of person to cross a border illegally. They're not all going to be criminals, but obviously you're going to have more criminals among them than any general population. So to begin with, it's important to note that there's no way to come up definitively with a conclusion um, because there's no singular mathematical formula to figure this out. And our government doesn't have good crime statistics for citizens, and they certainly and they don't have good statistics um, identifying immigration status because they don't want to identify immigration status for many reasons. So we don't really have good statistics. So anyone who's telling you we have a definitive study with a numerator or denominator either way is lying to you. And, and we're going to have our guest on to talk about how this big study they've used forever that all the media has picked up saying, oh, you know, illegals commit less crime is bogus and how they found out it's bogus from Texas DPS data. Um, now, what we do know is not a full study, but what we do know hints to the tip of the iceberg, which demonstrates it's, incom- it, it's, it's incomprehensible to say that they don't commit more crime. Just in fiscal year 2018 alone, ICE apprehended criminal aliens who together racked up 542,798 criminal convictions and arrests. And again, these numbers reoccur every year, except for these years because they shut it down. They don't enforce it anymore. But when they were enforcing it, it wasn't just one year haul of 10 years worth of criminals. Every year they got these roughly the same numbers. The numbers included 2,028 homicide offenses. 5,562 robberies, 11,766 weapons offenses, over 50,000 assault charges, over 76,000 dangerous drug charges, over 80,000 DUIs, and over 12,000 sexual offenses. Just think about that for a moment. The immeasurable carnage caused by our senseless disregard for sovereignty and the number of nameless victims the media will never spotlight. Again, you can't pick your citizens. You could pick... Your immigrants, all of that is avoidable. And by the way, that data only includes criminal charge categories that had more than a thousand. Anything that was more than a thousand, less than a thousand, wasn't included. Only 29% of those were unconvicted charges. So most of those were convictions, some were charges. Which means that the main focus of ICE removal operations, understandably so, and this is back during the Trump era 
is on convictions because they focus on the prisons and jails, which means that they're likely many more arrested for crimes but are not apprehended by ICE. Okay, they, they, they just clean out the jails and prisons. But what about all those that are let go? And, and now with the lenient crime laws, many people are let go and don't serve time pretrial unless they're January 6th person. And even before we attempt to measure these numbers against the rough baseline of non-illegal alien crime rates, the sheer number of avoidable crimes that could have been deterred would shock your consciousness. It's unbelievable. Again, let, let's focus on that number of homicide. 2,028 in a one year. If you look that year, according to the FBI, in total, only 11,788 were arrested for homicide in the country. Illegals composed 3.5% of the population. Now, could you prove that this means that they commit 16% of the murders? No, because it's not necessarily in the same year. This is what they apprehended that year. Um, you know, it wasn't just for the murders committed in that fiscal year. But by the same token, it's not like ICE only arrested this number of aliens just in that fiscal year. They do so almost every year. So it does reoccur. Also, not all the arrests in 2016 from the total universe of homicide suspects were for homicides committed that year either. You know, even the FBI numbers. So it, it is a pretty good apples to apples comparison, not perfect, numerator denominator. Moreover, a certain percentage of the alien murderers are legal immigrants. So it's not all illegal. You, that ropes in a, another denominator. Um, also, remember that these are just the criminal aliens that ICE was able to apprehend. Even at the peak of the federal enforcement under Trump, most illegals lived in sanctuary jurisdictions that did not cooperate with ICE. In fact, 6 out of 10 illegals live in just 20 metro areas. Almost all of them are sanctuaries. So there's no doubt that when it comes to the other categories of crime, especially assault, drug trafficking, drug driving, the numbers could be exponentially higher, and they are exponentially higher. We're not even getting them because they're let go and ICE doesn't cooperate with the prisons and everything. They didn't share the information. So those numbers are insane. Those numbers are utterly insane. And then I want to hone in on New York. New York itself. This was announced under Trump's ICE director, Albans, I remember. Um, this was fiscal year, I want to say 2019, and again, there's no reason to think it was unique in one year. He said that ICE lodged 7,526 detainers by their New York Bureau Field Office. Criminals against whom these detainers were lodged accounted for 17,873 criminal convictions and another 6,500 criminal charges. They included 200 homicides, over 500 robberies, over 1,000 sexual offenses, over 1,000 weapons offenses, over 3,500 assaults, and over 1,500 DUIs. And obviously, they noted that just 10 of their um, 7,500 detainers were honored. But that number of 200 homicides stuck out at me. I was like, in 2018, now it's gone up, 
But in 2018, there were only 289 murders in New York City's five boroughs. And what I did is I added, to get a denominator, I added another 69 murders in the nine other counties surrounding the city that fall under the area of operation of the New York City ICE field office. So, you know, they're saying they got, you know, 200 homicides uh, from illegals um, in their field office. So in that field office area, there's a total of 358 total murders. Now, again, not every murder results in the arrest of a suspect, as clearance rates have hovered around 60-70% for murder in New York City. Thus, there are easily under 300 homicide suspects every year in, in that area of operation. For ICE to have definitively identified aliens with 200 murder convictions or charges in just one year's worth of detainers is simply astonishing. Again, it doesn't mean that the illegal aliens commit two-thirds of all murders in New York area. Some of these individuals likely had a history of murder arrests from previous years, not just in 2019. Also, an unknown number of the detainers are for legal immigrants completing sentences for murder and then awaiting deportation, so they're in ICE's jurisdiction. And, and New York does have a lot of legal immigrants. Again, it's not, I'm not saying they commit two-thirds, you can't say they commit two-thirds of the murders. But again, how many illegal aliens are in that area of operation? Now, there might be more, but uh, the New York Times estimates that there's roughly 500,000 undocumented immigrants out of the city's 8.5 million population. So they compose 6% of the broader New York City population. Okay? So that is astounding. Also, a number of the 1,500 DUIs resulted in vehicular homicides. I've actually written about some of them in New York that warrant charges murder and are not included in the homicide numbers. And none of this factors in all of those who died in New York as a result of drug trafficking, which is driven primarily by illegals. Over 1,400 people have died every year over the past few years in New York City as a result of drug overdoses. So that is astounding. Now consider that these were all people released without notification to ICE. Can you imagine the amount of needless recidivist crime that's being committed? Again, it's bad enough that they're here to begin with. But what's the problem we have with crime in America? Three quarters of the crime is committed, especially the violent crime, by repeat offenders. But, you know, we don't lock them up forever and increasingly barely lock them up. So they're out to commit more crimes. But an illegal alien caught drug trafficking, caught assault, caught with this stuff. You know how many times you see, oh, and this guy had a history of three rapes. And like, how, how was he let out that first time? Let's say he served five years, seven years. How, why was he not deported? Again, as I always say, it's not that illegal aliens committing a certain crime is more evil than an American committing the crime. It's that it's more preventable. The amount of crime they should be committing is zero because that's the job of the government. And it's actually, a, you know, at least near zero is a realistic goal if we actually just enforce their sovereignty because they don't have a right to be here. See, Americans have the right to be here. So, you know, it's a limit to how much you can deter. And, you know, you're not going to lock up everyone for every last crime forever, you know, even even under my system. So, yeah, I mean, they're going to be out and whatever. But here it's all avoidable. This is the core job. I couldn't think of a a more important and achievable job of the federal government, and it doesn't do it. And let me give you, give you an example. This happens every single day. You would, you would be shocked to understand how much, what percentage 
of these big high-profile murders are done by illegals. Sometimes the name sounds like it, but you never know. It could be a citizen. It could be an LPR. But so many of them are illegal. This is from Fox News just last week. The suspect accused of killing two people and injuring six others during a stabbing, a stabbing rampage on the Vegas Strip is here illegally. Yanni Barrios, 32, is a Guatemalan national in the U.S. illegally with a criminal record in California, according to ICE. He allegedly stabbed eight people, a mix of tourists and residents. Um, the victims remain hospitalized. He began the rampage after a group of showgirls refused to take a picture with him. He approached a group of women and said he was a chef. He used what authorities described as a large knife with a long blade and began attacking them when they rebuffed him. And and we're going to talk about that a little bit with the guest. Um, the degree of, of sexual crimes is unbelievable from them, and, it's, and, and he's going to prove that it is more than the general population. So... It turns out he had a criminal record in California, and yet there are two people dead that should be alive. To those two people, the federal government has no legitimacy, and it really has no legitimacy to any of us and shouldn't. But we have a two-tier justice system. You see, if you're an illegal alien that shouldn't even be here to begin with and you're picked up on a crime, forget about it, serving time in prison. At least just remove him, even if you don't want to be, be in prison. No, they get to stay. They get to benefit from both of their crimes. But when it comes to going after, comes to Americans, forget it. I want to, again, before we have our guest on, there's so much in my stack today, but I have to get this story out to you. Outrageous story. This is from Michael Rushford at Crime and Consequences blog. Uh, I think he was a former prosecutor in a unanimous ruling on September 28th, California's 2nd District Court of Appeals announced that, that the San Luis Obispo District Attorney's Office cannot prosecute seven BLM protesters because the district attorney's well-publicized association with critics of Black Lives Matter movement. According to the North Coast Times, in July of 2020, Tiana Arada allegedly led roughly 300 BLM demonstrators onto Highway 101, blocking all the lanes for an hour. Some of the demonstrators attacked cars, smashed the window of one car with a skateboard, shattered glass of a, on a four-year-old child in the back seat. Much worse, much scarier than anything the worst people on January 6th did. Yet now they're saying that the prosecutor, because politically they don't like BLM, they cannot serve as a prosecutor. Could you imagine that? Yet almost every one of the prosecutors in BLM is related to people, uh, on January 6th, I mean, is related to people. Open The statements they made, they're related to Democrat politicians, and that's totally okay. That, my friends, is the two-tier justice system we are living in. But I want to get to our special guest before we uh, run out of time here. So one of the things we've all learned the last two and a half years is how data and studies are manipulated to achieve an agenda. And it's all done that way prepackaged. So right before they have a critical policy juncture where they need a certain policy a day before, a week before comes a magical study. It's like, man, this thing's 100% effective. This is the greatest thing alive. Man, uh, Paxlovid is, is the most effective drug ever. And by the way, it just came out today that, in fact, um, 
not only is Paxlovid not effective, but it, it definitely does cause a lot more problems than they would like to admit. But the point is, they do this on every policy issue. We have life-altering policies that are crafted civilization changes based on lies. And we just take it face value. Oh, this has been debunked. Oh, vaccines don't cause autism. Been debunked. Been debunked. No, it's it's the opposite of what you think. Like, really? Um, and, and every day, every day, we find out things we found out with Alzheimer's, with mental health stuff, these drugs. I mean, I'm talking about things that affected millions upon millions of people. Uh, we, there, there's actually stuff on colonoscopies now. It's all over the news how uh, a recent study failed to find a mortality benefit for colon cancer. Look, I'm not telling you what to do or not to do with that. I'm just saying it's interesting that came out this week. So the point is, we now know it's not just kind of an academic debate that there's different ways to look at things and you know people are just honestly, genuinely coming to different conclusions. A lot of this is prepackaged, and they, they need an agenda and say, hey, do this, and then boom, immediately gets out everywhere in the media. And one of the things that happened, this happened last decade, uh, the Cato Institute, which is more fanatically open borders than even anywhere on the left, and what's interesting about them is you would think with COVID fascism, they would have been all libertarian. Oh my gosh, this is our life, our, our bodies, nowhere. In fact, many of their analysts were making fun out of me. Oh, you're an anti-vaxxer. So they're not libertarian. They're, they're, they're just a bunch of leftists. And they had this study showing, no, we have de- data from Texas DPS where we were able to create a numerator and denominator and show that illegals actually commit much less crime than the general population. And that was promoted by every media outlet around. Um, no, they commit less crime. It's a myth. They commit less crime. And our, our side was relegated to saying, well, you know, look, any crime committed by illegals is too much, which is true. But it's like, dude, if you want to come out with a study and say it's not quite as much as you think it is, I could believe it. But sometimes it just surpasses the willing suspension of disbelief. And we just know that's not true. It's obvious and we've presented you with about 20 minutes worth of data, but I want to present you with more data and the definitive debunking of this study. Sean Kennedy, he's been with us a couple times. He's a crime expert at the Maryland Public Policy Institute, a friend of mine, uh, our resident crime expert here at CR Podcast. And he has written a paper with uh, the Center for Immigration Studies. It's on their website, short paper, where they actually got the real data from the Texas Department of Public Safety that, again, shows the opposite. Illegals actually commit more serious crime and some very serious offenses. And he could tell you exactly how they manipulated that data. Uh, He was on with Tucker for a couple minutes, uh, but I wanted to give him a little bit more time to explain the ins and outs to this audience. Sean, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Well, you've become pretty big out there on Tucker now. Um, and I'm glad that you're getting recognition for your work. You do good work. Um, so basically, how could you twist reality that seriously? We know they commit more crimes. Um, how much more is kind of hard to prove because we don't have clear numerators, denominators. The FBI data is kind of junky even on you know, general crime. Uh, but how were they able to show that they commit fewer crimes? What was the secret sauce and what? data did you get from Texas DPS that confirms the opposite? So to start with, uh, 
Cato Institute released a study in 2018, first in February, and then revised a release in August of that year, and then has subsequently released three more iterations of that paper. And what they did was they took a year in time in the first paper, 2015, and then subsequently 2017 and 2018, and uh, then 2019. And they took these year in time snapshots and said, what are the legal immigrant conviction and arrest rates? What are the illegal immigrant uh, arrest and conviction rates? And what are the native born uh, arrest and conviction rates? And then, well, let's compare all three categories and find out if you, an American citizen born here, are more crime prone than the uh, illegal immigrant population or the legal immigrant population for that matter. And they found huge discrepancies between a third and a half of for illegal immigrants than native born there. It struck me as odd. It just struck me as counterintuitive that it would be so dramatically lower, not that it would be lower necessarily as being true or not true, but that it was so dramatically lower to the point of being honestly absurd, incredulous. And so what I did was I went to Texas Department of Public Safety who uh, collects this data. And they actually, if you want to sort of be shocked, they put on their front of their website, uh, the list of the numbers, just the raw numbers, not the share of illegal aliens uh, convicted of uh, offenses. And then the list of raw number offenses. So 20,000 kidnapping convictions and so forth, murders, blah, blah, blah over an aggregated period of time. So since 2012, so many this year uh, the, the, to date have been convicted in, uh, and uh, uh, so forth for homicide or kidnapping or whatever. And it's just in a paragraph, it's not even a chart, which someone is uh, But they collect this data. The problem is Cato represented it as three parts of a whole, which is legal, illegal, native-born. There is no native-born category. Uh, unless I'm mistaken, uh, no government agency has the true nativity of all Americans in a database. Yep. Even your county registrar, when they keep your birth certificate, they do not know who was born where, when, and how in a database, nor do they have our fingerprints to prove that. But they do have the fingerprints of every legal immigrant in um, an FBI system called APHIS, which is linked to the Department of Homeland Security's IDENT program. Uh, where they are formerly known as PEP, and that those programs collect all the legal immigrants. If you want to come here, you have to give us your fingerprints and a bunch of identifying information, and then we know who you are. So when these individuals are arrested, they get their fingerprints run, and they run them against this, and they say, oh, you have a green card, or you're on a student visa, or whatnot. Uh, with illegals, there are two categories of illegals in general. There are those who have been caught and those who have not been caught. And that's the thing obviously we're seeing at the border where we have the asylum seekers turning themselves in. They're being processed by ICE and CPB and then released. So in theory, we're collecting their fingerprints and processing them, asking them their date of birth, name, whatever. Whether or not that's all true, we do have their biometric data in the form of their fingerprints in most cases. So we know those. Then there's another category, which we're obviously seeing a huge upsurge in in the last few yep. years, so-called gotaways. Those According to DHS, it, it's, it's over a yeah. million since Biden took over, took office. So you're looking at 2.5 million caught, 1, 1 million uncaught, and that, may, and that inherently we don't know how many or uncaught because we don't know what we don't know. And so we're looking at 3.5 million plus 
plus the visa overstays, and you're looking at probably at least another half million in the last few years, because visa overstays traditionally are a large portion of the legal population in the United States. Um, so one of the things we're looking at there is we have these two categories, caught and uncaught. Well, if you get arrested and you're uncaught, we don't inherently have your fingerprints to compare to anything. And at the same time, we mentioned we don't have the fingerprints of the, the, the native born. So when they when Texas arrests and convicts people, they run this system against IDET. So we have the identified upon intake illegal population and the identified upon intake legal population. And as I said, the number of legal residents whose fingerprints are in the system is near 100 percent. It's not perfect, but it's it's pretty close because they gave that information willingly to the government and it was then entered in this database. Uh, then we have this illegal uncaught population. So what DHS does is everybody who's not a legal fingerprinted person that's on intake, illegal fingerprinted person on intake is in the unknown or other category. So this is a largely two-part mix, legal, uncaught, native-born. But we don't know the shares or the ratios whatsoever. Cato, Alex Naraste, just basically ascribed everybody in those two categories to being native born. Though, in fact, <laughs> some share of them are illegally present. And it gets richer. Texas, unlike most states, goes back into the prisons and investigates the individuals who were suspected of being illegal but identified as unknown or not identified uh, in, in on intake. And then determines through background information and subsequent other tests, if they were illegal. And every year, they come up with past year's convictions, moving the unknown, some of the unknowns, into the known category, what they call prison illegals. So they're caught, they're unknown when, when they were put in jail, but by the time that it's a year or so has passed, they find out they were illegal, and then they put them in this fourth category called illegal prison. Now, the, the problem with the Cato study is he pretends that doesn't exist. He just straight up doesn't pretends it doesn't exist because he's doing a couple of things. One, he's just conflating these two categories that are different. And additionally, uh, and making up a category in the case of this native born that, as I said, is non-existent, is not on any of the spreadsheets that they had. And I'll come back to the spreadsheets in a second. Um, and then he, he, he doesn't add in the illegals who were later identified. He actually falsely redistributing them to this non-existent native-born category. So he's inflating his native-born category and deflating his illegal alien population. If they weren't processed on intake, they don't count as illegal. And just to give you a sense, roughly, uh, roughly uh, 35% or so of all the illegals that are caught in Texas for various offenses are identified after the fact, especially wow. in the case of serious offenses. And, and, and so I'll use the, I'll get you the exact numbers for sex assault in um, 2012, there were 249 illegals uh, convicted for sex assault and identified at arrest, but 89 more were identified in prison for that same year of convictions. And that was so all missing a, from from his report, it sounds very, well, very his similar. Report, his 2015 data. So in 2015, for his data, he's, there are 235 arrested on intake, 72 identified in prison. Well, inherently, 
those 72 are illegals and they were missed the first time around. And then he's putting them in a category that's not existent native born and taking them out of the taking real S. category. So the math works in two threat. directions. It's double counting it's against a, you. It's bi-directional. They literally did this with, with the COVID vaccination status. It's how they got 97% of the people dying are are unvaccinated. And we, we knew it was a lie the whole time. And they did similar things. Anyone unknown was put into the unvaccinated category. Um, and they did all these same type of tricks. It's It's, it's a pretty useful tool and we always knew they would they would utilize it and are utilizing it several times so sean there are other factors too that i want to i want to get out here that i think are important that number one obviously a lot of crime most crime is committed among people who know each other and we all know, well, they're called undocumented, and this is the argument of sanctuary cities, that uh, they don't uh, report crimes as much. So obviously all that's going to be unreported. Obviously anyone born in America is considered an American, even though they're an anchor baby. And we would argue, see, our whole point is we believe that they commit more crimes. So again, it's part of that illegal migration. It's a result of it. That's going to be counted against the other pile that's going to be thrown in the native pile. So you have several of these other factors that make it that you can. And then you have all these statuses that we would argue you and I would say, look, that's part of illegal migration. But the TPS and the parole and they they finagle themselves and increasingly the last decade any crime committed by them, they're no longer illegal. And technically they're not. But again, it's the result of that. So all these things muddle it. And that's why you can never give a definitive number. And anyone who says they have a definitive number, they're wrong. But could you reconstruct for us? You, you gave over very clearly how they lied. I mean, I think people understand that going through the COVID vaccine stuff, the double counting. Okay, but how could you suggest, based on the data that you got from DPS now, that they refused to acknowledge, and Texas DPS acknowledged that they were wrong and misleading, not using the data, the, that they follow up with that other category, that you could actually determine that on some categories, clearly they commit more crimes? Yeah, well, we use conviction rates because uh, one of the important things to do is that these identifications take time, these additional identifications so we don't know upon intake what the share is. But if you look back in time, and we did this because we had snapshot data and prior data from DPS where we could say, okay, in the request we made in 2019, the 2015 data showed this many uh, prison illegals and so many others. And then the next five, five years later, that same 2015 data showed more prison illegals and fewer others. So we saw that category shift over and over again. The result was the further back you go in general, after a few years, you'll see significantly higher rates for what we would identify as the most serious crimes, homicide, sex assault, sex offenses. So um, in the case of sex assault, when you compare not to native born, but the average, the overall Texas population, according to the U.S. Census, and you compare the illegal rate using either the Center for Migration's a legal population estimate or the Department of Homeland Security's year, the share of illegals goes up over time who were convicted of these serious offenses. So the, the, uh, the example for uh, DHS uh, and CMS is there are 20 rapes by 20 rape convictions or sex assault convictions 
by illegal immigrants in 2012, while there are only 11 uh, for the general population. And as the years go on, you see it shrink down or, or come down a little bit because we're identifying fewer of them. Uh, and there's also fewer crimes. But the share, the rough share goes up as you go back in time, because some of these rapists who were previously identified as unknown become known that they were illegally present or are illegally present. And that shifts the total number. So for rape, we're looking at, I don't want to average, but just using one of the years that Cato uses, there are 17 and a half um, roughly uh, illegal uh, uh, sex assault convictions per population, while overall in Texas, there are nine. So that works out to about a 90% differential, um, either using the CMS uh, population denominator for overall illegal population, Texas, or the DHS. So either way you slice it, you're still looking at uh, a significantly higher share of the rapes per population by illegal immigrants. And with homicides, the other serious category that we look at, the, the differential is not quite as large, but it's still significant. In 2012, it's a 32% increase. Um, in 2015, the other year that Cato looks at, it's actually 20% higher. And um, we're looking at these years year in, year out, with a, with a few exceptions of years, we're seeing a much higher number as per population of illegal immigrants committing particularly yes. serious crimes. And yes. But here's why that's interesting, because the implication of the Texas data is that, well, okay, for serious crimes, homicide, sex assault, sex offenses, kidnapping, it's higher or the same. But in fact, the way those Texas prison identifications occur is important. Texas is prioritizing who they're looking for because who do they want to get the black mark against their record that they're illegal and therefore making deportable are murderers, rapists, child molesters, kidnappers. So when you look at lower level crimes, there are two countervailing forces that prevent the prison identifications or reduce them. And that is one, time and resources by Texas. What are you going to spend your time and and effort on? And two is just flat out time. The longer these people serve in prison, the more time Texas has to get around to them to make them deportable. So if you're only doing 30 days for a DUI, Texas isn't gonna send, and there's also just a huge volume (laughs) of DUIs or DUI is insane. We all know that. So if if there's just so many of them, Texas can't send its people to do these investigations and interviews all over the state to chase the 30,000 people who are in Texas prisons for those offenses on any given day. You would need an army of IRS agents, maybe 87,000 or something. Um, That was a joke. Um, But the point being is that it's just not practical uh, to identify these people. And, and there's also and then, another very yeah. important... Wait, wait. Uh, so, yeah, first of your other factor. Oh, that was... The other factor is that they don't have the resources and they don't have the time because of their time spent in prison so that they're focusing and prioritizing Got the most serious offenses to make them deportable. So it's that point. Which, that which point I want to I wanna elaborate shares. on. Let's elaborate on yeah. that point, the, the prioritization. There's another extremely important point that everyone misses in this discussion, and it blows it wide open, and it and it demonstrates the degree of criminality is beyond would shock your consciousness. It's, it's definitely a lot more than the general population, and that's this. 
you see there's something so unique. Typically, when you have two universes, you're trying to compare, okay, native-born and an illegal immigrant or whatever. So you have a drain, a massive drain-off on one side. As much as I started the show complaining on how many needless victims, needless recidivism, how you have these people in California all the time, three sex offenses, and, well, wait a minute, how are you still here? How do you cycle in and out of our ever-decreasing amount of jail time domestically? You should have just been removed, and we don't remove them. Fine. But as bad as it is, we do agree that over the last 20 years, and I used to have the numbers, but it's in the millions. We've deported millions of illegals, and... And particularly, almost all of them are criminal aliens, and it's literally a pyramid. The more severe you are, I mean, even under Biden and Obama, they barely deport anyone, but obviously you're more likely to get deported the more severe you are. We know basic criminology, 70, 80, 90 percent of crimes at a given time, given place, are are committed by the repeat offenders. Those guys with the most serious offenses are going to continue to commit the assaults, the robberies, the rapes, the murders, um, all things like that. You have an entire population of them, some inevitably did come back, too many come back, but some inevitably did stay in Mexico and Guatemala, wherever their worst players are taken out of the universe. So that goes to our point that imagine if you would fully enforce it and get rid of all of them, which we can, you can't get rid of a citizen. Isn't that a huge factor that no American is deported? So we have to deal with all these uh, you know, repeat offenders, which increasingly, you know, they're not deterred and they serve less time because of criminal justice deform, right? Isn't that a huge, huge factor? It's definitely a factor. I mean, one of the things to think about when you look at all these these data sets is you're not adjusting for, because our unauthorized immigrant population, illegally present, illegal aliens, population data is so poor and is effectively a guesstimate that, we are not getting demographic breakdowns. We can get through the census demographic breakdowns for the people who answer the census. And so this is sort of the problem when people use census data to identify illegal aliens and unauthorized individuals is those are the people who don't fill out the survey. And if they do, you're using statistical analysis for them to like proxy them. But what we do know roughly is that the demographic, the age, and education and other demographics for illegal aliens and for legal res- legal aliens it are different in a lot of ways from the rest of the population, both within a community and in aggregate across the nation. So we don't even know how to adjust effectively for the age and gender breakdown exactly. of illegals and therefore their temporal or in time and space crime patterns. So what do we know is what we don't know. We don't know what the age groupings are of these illegally identified aliens in prison versus the overall illegal alien population because the estimates are so poor for the overall population by demographic breakdown. So even if I know how old that uh, Guatemalan MS-13 member is, is he representative of the overall population of illegal aliens in Texas? So if he is not, that means that the average 21-year-old Guatemalan could be 10 times more likely to kill than the average 21-year-old American or just the average 21-year-old, including illegals in Texas. So those (coughs) high-risk populations are not being pulled out of the thing, while on the flip side, the Chinese grandmother 
who got off the plane and never and overstayed her visa while she may be using government resources or, or whatnot, the odds she's going to commit an armed robbery, I would surmise, are very low. Exactly. It's, so the, it's a the, heterogeneous the, the, problem. And, and so just to say all illegals, like we have in Texas, Houston, for example, has a huge West African population, illegal West African population. People don't realize this if they're not in Texas. I mean, obviously they have a lot of Latin and, and whatever, but they have a lot of West Africans that are illegal. I mean, we have incidents where people fall off planes uh, coming out of Lagos trying to get to the United States. They're all going to Houston because there's a huge West African population there. Well, I don't know enough about the demographics of the legal West African population versus the legal West African population in Houston to tell you whether or not they are more criminally exactly. prone or more overrepresented in prison. So we don't know what we don't know. We, but in aggregate, for serious crimes, the Texas data shows that compared to the overall Texas population for homicide, sex assault, kidnapping, and other sex offenses, they are at higher propensity to commit those crimes, or at least be convicted of it, should be commit, to be convicted of those crimes than the overall Texas population. That is indisputable no matter if you use any of the publicly available baselines for estimates from the Pew Research Center, from the Center for Migration Studies, from the Department of Homeland Security, or what Cato uses, which is this in-between model by an economist, um, which is not being transparently resolved. So I don't know exactly what figure he's using, but regardless, if it is in-between, then even that would still show that in those four categories of crime, <laughs> illegal aliens are being identified at higher rates as being convicted of those crimes than the general population. And legal residents are being co convicted at significantly lower rates. So there is a correlative, it's not a causal, there's a correlative value between the legal status of somebody and the illegal status of somebody in terms of the likelihood there will be convicted sure. of a serious felony in Texas. Sure. And, and, and obviously, legal immigrants, you know, always should have less crime. You should have no crime because, A, you, th we literally pick them. We vet them. They go through the process. So you weed out problems. And B, often they're older in life, um, somewhat older when they make that decision to, you know, move to a different country. So they're past that typical uh, career the, the crime career that, that is very weighted towards those in their 20s. It's very much age-weighted. So a lot of this matters. And, and I think just broadly, what I want you guys here to get out of this is that there needs to be a degree of humility before just anything that so much is driven off of data, but people can't understand. Like, there's a lot goes into that. Just like they say, oh, the world over 100 years has warmed a, a degree and over the next 100 will warm this. Like, really? Like, think about that. You had thermometers that were perfectly calibrated in every place, averaged out. I mean, some basic questions aren't asked that sometimes we just don't know everything, but what we do know is that there is a tremendous amount of criminality that, that is obvious in front of our eyes, particularly sexual assaults, child sexual assaults, kidnappings, and DUIs. And let me end it here, Sean. Um, if you're advising the Florida governor, again, everything's an in information warfare. I believe if we had data on the vaccine injuries that would be able to show people directly what we think is true, that several hundred thousand Americans died from the shot, several million were seriously injured, it would shock people. And I think it, you know, it would drive policy. Same thing here with illegal immigration. My goal is to get states to start deporting illegals because that's the only way out of this. What sort of state information warfare? I would love to see Florida put out every week, every month. Uh, some data and then some like, you know, examples of high profile crimes. What sort of data would you advise be put out? What 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 would blow this wide open? What what do we need? 
Um, we, we need to know how many people are both being arrested, convicted, and the nature of their offense in uh, Florida, but all across the country. And then what is actually importantly, what is happening to them upon release? Because if these counties or cities at either the county or city level and the, at the jail level or the state level, if they're sent to a state correctional institution, or is ICE being notified where they are and is ICE taking action to remove them? Because it's good enough to say, oh, well, we told ICE, but did ICE come pick them up? Like we need to know when they hit the prison gates, was there ICE sitting there or was there like, you know, their cartel yep. buddies, you know, waiting in a van? Like exactly. who got, who took them and where did they go? And, and as much as Florida would know what the feds did, but did the feds actually make a requisition and detainer request and so forth and so on after being notified of their presence? So I want to know both the arrest date and the conviction data upon intake. And then what Texas is doing, which is going back and checking on people who are in the unknown category and finding out as best they can who may have been illegal or is illegal that was in prison that um, wasn't identified via the databases on fingerprints. That would be the best thing to release that kind of information and release that um, publicly uh, and say that. And one of the things is be totally transparent, release the data, but do something important. Explain the data, not just in narrative form, but include a legend and explain what the categories mean and make it not idiot proof per se, because it never will be, but show as much granularity as possible. And even when there's nuance, that the narrative doesn't fit perfectly, that actually adds to the validity because it shows that you're not just manipulating the data so it's yeah. all one answer. There may be a prison where there is no illegals or there's only three guys and they're only convicted of like <laughs> trespassing or something. That's fine, but be transparent. Yeah. And then we can talk about what the implications are. But when people are obfuscating and distracting we're not having a debate about this because they don't want to have a debate about this. That's why the Washington Post, and I'll say this one more thing just to drive you up a wall, uh, Daniel, because, and I'll send it to you later as you do more on it, is in DHS's and the, and the Biden administration, DOJ's response to the Texas lawsuit about enforcing the border law by, by Attorney General Paxton in Texas, they cite the Cato study. I kid <laughs> you not. The government yeah. is now using this study to justify open borders. That's safe and why effective. this study debunking matters so much. Open borders are safe and effective. They commit less crime. In fact, we should have more open borders and then we'll be even safer. I mean, this is the type of stuff they do. They do it on everything. This is an information warfare. We got to drive it properly. Thanks so much for shedding light on this. I really commend you for this work. Uh, it was needed for a long time. We knew it was true. Someone needed to just find out how and you did it. Um, and we're, we're definitely going to bring you back to talk about more domestic crime issues. But, Sean, keep up the good work. So, again, that was Sean Kennedy. What a terrific, terrific guy, terrific researcher, uh, dear friend of mine. And I'm so glad for his work. Uh, has done a lot of good things on, on crime as well. And, and this is really the confluence of crime and illegal immigration, two issues that the Republican Party sold us out on for an entire decade, really two decades uh, in the case of illegal immigration, really forever on illegal immigration, a decade for crime. And it turns out there was a poll I saw recently, uh, not a poll, but Steve Dace mentioned this, that uh, one of the this director of Hispanic outreach for the Republican Party said that they're crushing it they're, with Hispanic voters. They're gaining with them. And their biggest biggest issue is crime. And it makes sense because if you're a legal 
immigrant, if you're a citizen, the criminality from across the border, it's going to settle disproportionately in those neighborhoods. So it's going to affect them. And it was always the stupidest thing for Republicans to be like, oh, I don't want to offend them, so I'm going to be for illegal immigration. And then, and then they were weak on crime, too. It's just so stupid. Um, what a waste. What a controlled opposition. Um, but anyway, I mean, this is what states need to do. They need to publicize it. And I think if they would publicize it, like the data that Sean pulled out, that they are almost twice as likely to be convicted of sex offenses in Texas, uh, it would shock people. And then that would build the narrative for states to engage in self-defense and and deport. That's the only way that this issue this issue is ever going to be solved is if the red states become red and deport uh, nationally you're never going to fix this you're never going to force them to do what they never what they don't want to do and they're in fact encouraging this this would serve as a deterrent you know you go to a red state you're screwed maybe they'll go to a blue state but that's fine it is what it is we lost them anyway uh, but just think about what he said i mean what is happening to these people when they're released see we're watching all these cases in New York where these egregious subway beaters and the guy threw someone on the subway and he gets released because of the abolishing of, of cash bail. But if that guy's an illegal, he should be gone. We shouldn't have to put up with his recidivism, but we do. In all too many cases, especially now, we used to deport a lot of them, not enough of them. Now we deport almost none of them. States need to pick up the slack. It's all information warfare. And uh, this is part of the problem, you know, uh, with all these think tanks and I'm, I'm going to work in the conservative movement. They do horrible work. Sean is a guy that actually works hard and, you know, he's never gotten paid that much, never had a prestigious job. It's always those people that do the best work. Uh, one person does the work of 50. But this is the way this is the type of movement we've been lacking. People like that that actually put out good, good material good ammo and then of course you need people at the political end with the courage and conviction and desire to take it and do the right thing with it and that's what we're all about tomorrow we'll get back to some of our uh, other news till then god bless y'all and thank you for listening